So we uh, we started a while ago going through the book of John. Uh, so we're doing a series through the book of John all the way through. Um, we kind of stopped at the beginning of the year because once we came back from COVID, we started another series beginning of the new year with all that. So we got those series going. Then after those series, some other stuff started happening in the world. So we kind of talked about that. So I'm kind of getting back into our John series. Chapter four, we have Jesus talking to the woman at the well. So if you are uh, uh, familiar with the story, um, Jesus was out with his disciples. They was walking. They stopped in a, uh, a country called Samaria. Um, and, uh, uh, Samaria was kind of like the outcast of the people during that time. The Jews didn't really deal with the Samarians like that. Uh, so Jesus sat there. He sat at a well. A lady came to pour water from the well. Cause, you know, back in the day, that's how they got their water and everything for cooking, for cleaning. They used to go to a well. Lady came to the well, and Jesus started talking to her, and they had this conversation known as Jesus and the woman at the well or Jesus and the Samaritan woman uh, at the well. We, we went over this a little bit in one of our messages before. A few weeks back, we talked about the suffering. Um, no, we actually we, it was talking about, um, uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, reconciliation. We're talking about reconciliation, coming back to God is the word recon reconcile means to come back to something. And so we're talking about how we as a people should come back to God. And in that, we looked at John chapter four at the woman of the well. So I won't go into too much detail today because I want to what I want to get to is at the end of this excerpt. But I did want to spend a little time uh, uh, just refreshing what was going on. So here we go. John chapter four, the woman at the well. This woman, she had what I like, what I call the quadfecta. I don't know if that's a word. Trifecta is a word. That means three. I'm going with quadfecta. There were four things that was wrong with her, okay, when Jesus rolled up on her, okay? Four things. One, she had the influence. She, had, she was under the influence of racial disparities. She had some issues with race. Sounds familiar. What's going on today? And what Jesus did in each one of these things, these four things, he went with the need, the appeal, the appeal for the second one. He addressed her obvious sin, and then he went back to the appeal. And then the appeal again. And we're going to see that. Appeal, appeal, condemn the sin, appeal, appeal. For all four of those things that she had areas that she had issues with. So the first one was... Uh, 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 racial disparity or racial injustice. Look at John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone to town to buy food. And she said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Off the bat, we got racism. Off the bat, we got some racial problems, some racial in injustices, some racial sensitivities with this woman. How did Jesus approach that? She said, hey, man, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk to each other. Matter of fact, you don't talk to me. I ain't talking to you. What you even talking to me? So because of their race, there was some issues there. What did Jesus say? Now, today, some people may approach that differently. Oh, this person has a racial problem? Huh. Let me take this time and break down the racial issue. And we need to fix this race problem right now, which was okay to do. But let's see what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Jesus didn't even 
touch that. Now, you say, okay, well, that's cool. He said living water. Well, what's that mean? Well, you have to remember. This is pre-cross. So what Jesus is saying, there are words that he's saying that as a Jew or a Samaritan living in a time, it catch phrases. For instance, living water. Turn with me quick. Keep your finger there. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Isaiah, Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the prophet Jeremiah was talking. And he said, listen, verse 13, Jeremiah 2, 13, for my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, uh-oh, abandonment, separate from God. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Turn over a couple of chapters to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. That's that living water Jesus talked about. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, the prophet is talking, he's talking to God. He said, uh, Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me will be written in the dirt, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of what? Living water. Jesus heard about her racial issue and he went straight to, oh, no, 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 no. I've got the living water. And the living water combats that abandonment. See, you've abandoned me. You abandoned God. That's a problem. The problem isn't the racial disparity. The problem is that you have abandoned God and you need reconciliation. Guess what? I'm that living water that's going to bring that reconciliation. That's the first thing he did. Secondly, she has some issues with historical influences of heritage. Sounds familiar? Her rights as a people group or her ancestor, ancestors. Okay? She went on to say, Sir, verse 11, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Oh, you don't know my heritage. Okay. I've come from this. I have certain rights because of who I am and my ancestry and the people group. Heard a lot of that today. We gotta make America greater. We gotta take it back. We gotta. Blah, blah, blah. Jesus said, I hear all that. Did Jesus respond to that? <laughs> Not at all. Look what Jesus said. Everyone who drinks from this water, he's back to the living water again. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, 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 let's get back to the point. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give them will never thirst again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Jesus took her racial insensitivities and said, the problem isn't that, ma'am. You want to talk about that? That's not the problem. The problem is you have abandoned me. You need the reconciliation. Jesus took her historical ancestral heritage that she had puffed her chest out about it. Jesus said, I don't care nothing about that. Well, he didn't say that. Jesus said, that's not the important thing right now. Jesus said, you need eternal life. Why? Because you are, have abandoned me. There's some separation there. There's war there. You are on your way dead to sin. She kept going. Sir, give me this water. So I'm going to get thirsty and come here to draw water. And in Jesus, verse 16, go call your husband and come back here. So notice what Jesus did. She came with this racial stuff. Jesus said, you, uh, reconciliation, the appeal. She came with historical stuff. Jesus said, reconciliation, the appeal. And then Jesus said, right now, I'm going to take some time. And we're going to talk about this obvious 
visible sin in your life. He said, go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't have a husband. So you had five husbands, and the man you now are living with is not your husband. So what you have said to me is true. Jesus acknowledged, watch this, and he condemned the blatant, obvious, visible sin in her life. Now that's, whoo, you don't do that today. You're not supposed to judge people. That's not your, just not your job. You just give them love. That's Old Testament. Give them love. You know, you can, the Bible says, come as you are. So as you are, just let them be as they are. Why would you tell somebody they shouldn't be living this lifestyle of sin? How dare you? Don't bring that up. Don't condemn that. It's not my job to condemn. It's not my place to judge. Be true to yourself. You know what? Because there's so many hypocrites in the church anyway. You know, all them hypocrites in the church. So I'm not going to be one of those hypocrites. I've done some dirt. You've done some dirt. So listen, I'm not even going to address that. I'm just going to love you and forget everything else. I just want to be your friend. Jesus said that you brought up the racial stuff, and we knocked that down with the appeal, reconciliation. You brought up historical stuff, I knocked it down with the appeal. And now you come with this, I want to address this sin in your life. See, Jesus, because again, we're talking about ambassadors for Christ. This is Christ. This is who we're supposed to be representing. When he fell upon this woman and an obvious sin was in her life, he said, be reconciled, be reconciled. Oh, and what you're doing right now is wrong. You got to stop it. I'm not going to placate it. I'm not going to make it look pretty. He calls her straight out. You're right. You ain't married. Plus, you've been had five husbands and the dude you're sleeping with now ain't your husband. Oh, that's he was all up in her business. But that's what we're supposed to do. Because I'm an ambassador for that guy who was at the well who called that woman out on her sin. So what am I supposed to do when I see obvious sin? I'm supposed to say something. Because I'm an ambassador. I'm supposed to do what Jesus would do. So I don't let obvious, blatant, visible sin just go by. I got to say something. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. Why? Because the appeal needs to be made. She won't finish yet. She said, Jesus, <laughs> sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but the Jews said that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. So again, she came with now some religious things. She came with some ideological misunderstandings, some misrepresentations. She came with this, let's, go, let's debate on this level, the ideology, the religion. The, the, Jesus said, I hear all that. And that's important, and we'll get to that. But look what Jesus said. Jesus said, believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. But an hour is coming, verse 23, and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, listen, it's not about where. I'm not even concerned about that right now. It's about who. Are you worshiping God? What did he do? He always brought it back to the appeal. Our responsibilities, church, as ambassadors for Christ, as we come up with racial issues, as we come up with historical issues, as we come up with obvious, blatant, visible sin, as we come up with ideological, ide, ideological, somebody help me out. Thank you. I can't even say that, but what Kelly just said, ideological, it just got to go slower. That's all. I'm going too fast. Ideological 
misrepresentations. All those things are important and need to be addressed, but what did Jesus do? Where was his emphasis? His emphasis throughout that entire dialogue was the appeal, the appeal, the appeal, the appeal. You need to be reconciled to God. Um, a couple of things. It's interesting because in this culture during this time, um, it was a very, I want to say weird thing, but it was a very uncommon thing for men to talk to women. It was, it was uncommon during this time. I mean, it didn't happen. Okay, uh, it was the culture that they were in and the time that they were in. There was a very big split between men and women. Men did men stuff. Women did women stuff. I mean, so, and some of the churches back in the day, they used to have uh, churches where men sat on one side and women sat on one side. And that's not too far back in the day. It was I remember going to churches like that. Uh, uh, but in this culture, uh, back in uh, Israel during this time, they had that. And so it was actually looked down upon if you would talk to women. Women weren't held in a, it, there was no equal rights for women. There was no, you know, women's rights people walking around during that time. So what we see here, Jesus comes up and you see in verse, uh, chapter four, verse four, uh, it says, um, I'm sorry, verse six, Jacob well was there and Jesus went out from his journey, sat down in a well. It was about noon, verse seven. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone to town to buy Food. The fact that Jesus engaged in a conversation with this woman was mind-blowing at that time. It, it, it was mind-blowing. In that culture, they didn't speak, much less entertain a dialogue. And what we see in John chapter 4 is Jesus, who is our example, is coming down and having a dialogue, having a conversation with this woman. Not only that, when we look at what Jesus, in talking to this woman, which was, again, so out of the blue, Jesus actually told this woman something he hadn't told anyone before. When you look down at verse 26, we read it this morning, the woman has said, I know the Messiah is coming. When he's come, he's going to tell us all things. Jesus said in verse 26, Jesus told her, I, the one you are speaking to, am he. Now, what's crazy about that is up to this time, mad people have been coming to Jesus asking him, hey, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus was, he just said, he said look, look at what I do and figure it out. He's like, why does this dude won't tell us who he is? He's around here doing miracles. He's around here, the blind can see, the people can't walk or walk in. Are you the Messiah? He said, watch my works. So he didn't reveal anything. He decided to reveal himself to this woman. And it was so crazy that when the disciples came back, where is that verse? Uh, verse 27. Just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Jesus came and uh, 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 one of the things that Jesus did was he shows us an example. And I like this portion of scripture for one piece because it shows that Jesus didn't have any respect of persons. He came and he had a conversation with women that were totally against the culture that he was in. But he showed that respect and he showed that honor and he showed that, had that conversation with her. And as an example, we have to understand that all people, men, women, no matter what, we have a responsibility to make sure that we treat them the same. And no matter what was going on in the culture, we follow the example of Jesus. I just thought that was real cool um, that Jesus would do that at that time. That's not the message at all. That was just a little snippet, a little, little snippet, a little side snippet. Okay, so Jesus starts. He starts talking to this woman. Um, 
John wrote this book so that we may believe. We talked about that a while ago. And so everything in this portion of scripture is all about identifying who Christ is, who Jesus is, and what he came to do. And so Jesus showed up. There was a woman there. He, Jesus said, hey, can I give me something to drink? Uh, verse 7, because the disciples left town to buy food. The woman started talking back to Jesus in verse 9. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. So, Jesus was about his business. Jesus was about one thing. Jesus was about letting you know that you needed to change your life. That's it. That's what Jesus was about. When Jesus entered the room, when Jesus started talking, everything he said had to do with the fact that, okay, I'm here. I need to be here. Okay, so when this woman came to Jesus, Jesus being about his business, his whole thing was this woman needs to understand that she is in lack of something. She is in need of something. And what she need, I can only give it to her. And so when we look at the dialogue that Jesus had, this conversation that he had with this woman, it was all about identifying her need and how that he was the only way to supply what she needed. And it's funny because the woman, she was cool. She was slick. She would come back with different things and try to change the subject. But as we watch, you see how Jesus stayed on topic because he was about his business. And so Jesus showed up. He asked for something to drink. They started a conversation, something familiar, something you know about. She got the water pot. They had a well. It was familiar. You, can I get something to drink? She immediately says, how can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan woman for something to drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The first thing she did, she approached Jesus with was some racism. There were some racial, racial disparities that was going on at that time. There were the Jews. There were the people who were descendants of Abraham. They thought they were the pure race. We came straight from Abraham, our father. We were totally clean. We are totally pure, just Abraham. Now, Samaritans were Jews who had migrated to the north, the northern kingdom. And they had intermarried with non-Jews, and we had all these years, 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 years. And so we get this kind of uh, 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 the Samaritans. They knew about God. Their ancestors way, way back was kind of familiar. But there was animosity between the two groups. One group thought they were superior than them. One group thought they were better than the others. One group used to oppress the other group. And so in this conversation, remember what Jesus is about. Jesus is about you have something, I have something that you need. Initially in the conversation, she brought up the racial disparity that was going on in the city in the time. How can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for something to drink? Jesus answered. I love that. Whenever you see Jesus answered in the Bible, it's cool because Jesus being our example shows us how to respond to things. And so when something happens or some, somebody says something to Jesus, we see how he responds and then we respond in kind. We respond likewise. And so she came up with this, hey, this racism is going on, this disparity. How can you, you over there, I'm over here. You don't talk to me. We don't talk to you. We got beef. Jesus answered and said, look what he said in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Notice what Jesus didn't address. He said nothing about the racist beef. He didn't say nothing about, you know what, you are a Samaritan, I am a Jew. He didn't bring that up. Why? Because Jesus was about his business. 
Jesus knew that the issue, even the issue of racial disparity, even that issue of that opposition, that oppression, Yes, that's a serious issue. That was a thing that was going on. That was something a woman was experiencing. But Jesus knew the answer to that was not. The answer was, oh, you need the living water. Jesus said, I am the answer to that old racism issue that you got going on. I'm the answer because that was his response. If you knew the gift of God who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask of him and he would give you living water. That phrase, living water, and we talked about this, goes all the way back to the Old Testament and the prophets. Uh, uh, Jeremiah in chapter 2, that used that phrase, talking about Israel and God, and saying Israel, who are God's people, they had disobeyed God, they were worshiping other idols, uh, they weren't following the Ten Commandments, they weren't doing anything God wanted. God said, you have abandoned the living water. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And then if you look in Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, uh, verse 13, Jeremiah also talks to the children of Israel and says, again, you have abandoned the living water. And so when Jesus, what Jesus is doing, he's referring back to the living water, letting her know that the reason, what you need, because you have abandoned God, the answer to your question, the answer to your need is to come back to God. She went on. Sir, she said in verse 11. You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't even greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank it from himself, as did his son and his livestock. Now, remember, the Samaritans, you could trace their history all the way back to Abraham, which was way, way, way back. Okay, So Abraham had a son named Isaac, had a son named Jacob. Then from then on, as the generation went, they began to break out different ways. So the Samaritan woman could trace her ancestry all the way back to Jacob, just like Jesus and the Jews could. And the actual well that they were at was a well that Jacob had built. It had been there for generations after generations after generation. Jacob had built it, had given it to his son Joseph. And so the woman came back at Jesus and said, you're talking about this living water. You don't even have a cup or a bucket. Are you even greater than our father Jacob, who gave this well, who made this well for him? So this woman initially went from talking about racial disparity and an injustice that was going on. She then began to talk about historical influences, her heritage, her rights, her ancestry, her people group. And she said, listen, listen, my great, great, great granddaddy is so and so and so. And there's no way you are more powerful than him. So how are you going to talk about you got this living water that I need? Listen, I'm a child of Jacob and Isaac. And Abraham, I'm good. What's Jesus' response? Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whatever drinks from the water that I will give them will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give them will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Again, notice how Jesus responded. She brought up her ancestry, how proud she was, and I'm, I'm a son, of, I'm a daughter of this and that. Jesus didn't deal with that because remember, Jesus was about his business. His business was the need. He looked at her and he said, this woman needs salvation. This woman needs her life changed. And so Jesus' response was he went right back to it. He said, I will give you what you need is this living water. And if you drink it, you will never get thirsty again. As a matter of fact, 
it will become a well of water springing up from him or her for eternal life. Jesus went right back to the water, right back to the reconciliation, right back that you need to come back to me. Now, two things he said that if you drink this water, you will have life. The opposite of life is death. What Jesus was pointing out to this woman that right now that she was dead in her sins. Not physically dead, but spiritually dead in her sins. Now, sin is what we do to disobey God, what we do that doesn't line up with God says. Sin basically is my way over God's way. God says you should do this. This is how you should live your life. This is how I set things up. We say, God, I see what you say, but nah, I like this way better. So I'm going to do this. Sin is, God said, here's a standard. I want you to live to this standard, and we constantly miss the standard. We try sometimes to be good. We try to be right. We try to be respectful, but we constantly miss that standard. Sin is also getting off the right road. I'm driving down the road. I'm going what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, following good, and then kind of I veer off. And so God... Jesus looked at this woman and said, the problem is, it's not about the racism and injustices that's going on. That's the issue, but I'm the answer for that. The problem isn't how, how prideful you are because who you come from and who your great-great-great-grandfather is and your history and blah, blah, blah. That's cool, but the problem is, even in that, you are dead in your sin. You're spiritually dead because you've decided to follow your way and not my way. And so we missed the mark. What he said was, if you Get, take what I give you, the living water, you will be alive. <laughs> and he said that the fountain uh, will flow up in you. And we call that being alive in Christ. There are two ends there, in sin, in Christ. Those are only two choices. Everybody on the planet is in one of these. Either they're living in sin, they decide I'm going to do my way and I'm going to listen to God. I'm just going to do what I'll do. This is my thing. I'm not an evil person. I'm not killing people. I just, you know, I'm not with all that. Or they're in Christ. When Jesus looked at that woman and said, you, with all the stuff that you're going through, what you need is eternal life from me. It will change you from the position of being dead in your sin to alive in Christ. She kept going. Sir, woman said, give me this water. Okay, that's cool. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come and draw water again. I'm ready. I'm taking it. Let's go. Now, what I would have done right at that point was, yes, I witnessed to her. I told her about the goodness of God. Now it's time. Let's fall on our knees. Let's pray. Say this prayer. Follow after me. You can be saved. Notice Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> she was ready. She said, okay, give me this water. You convince me, I'll take the water. Look what Jesus' response was. Verse 16, go call your husband real quick. Now, come on, Jesus. And she told her, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you have correctly said you don't have a husband. Pretty much Jesus said, you ain't lying. You don't have a husband, Jesus said. As a matter of fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with now is not your husband. What you said is true. There was a need in this woman's life. She was going through racial disparity and injustice. She was going through a, a, a historical issue with her ancestry. Jesus answered both of those with, I'm the answer for that. I'm the answer for that. 
When she said she was ready, okay, give me that, because I, I, I hate this injustice stuff and this ancestry stuff, this beef that we got going on. Okay, give me the answer. I'm ready for the living water. Jesus said, but first, we have to deal with something. We have to address something. We have to bring something to the light. What Jesus immediately did then, he went from her first need to second need, and then he acknowledged and condemned the blatant, obvious, visible sin in her life. There was sin in her life. There was something that she was doing that didn't line up with God said. God said, I created man and woman, and therefore one man and one woman shall get together, and that man and that woman shall be married, and I will call them one flesh. That's what God said. That's how he set it up. That's what he wanted. We came along and did some different things to it. We added some things. So marriage, where God holds marriage and that institution, man, humanity has kind of let it down. I'm going to test it out. If I don't like her, you know, we can get a divorce real quick. Then I try somebody else. If I don't like her, I get a divorce real quick. Then I try somebody else. I like her, I get a divorce real quick. And God's like, no, 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 marriage is up here. We're like, ah, no. Matter of fact, you, <laughs> you drive down the uh, highway, you see a sign, divorce for $99. Like, they advertise for divorce? Like, not even if you're going through something, just, you know what? I got $99. You know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's get this popping. Man has held it a lot lower than hell God has. And so God, Jesus looked at this woman and said, listen. You got some sin that's in your life that's obvious, that's blatant, that's visible, that you need to address. Jesus didn't come to her and say, you know what? It's not my place to judge. I'm just going to show you love. You know, we can just get this thing popping. I'm going to talk about this eternal life. Uh, uh, he, he didn't come and say, listen, I just want to, I, I want to, we're going to be your friend. No, Jesus said, listen, we, we have this. This is the problem. That's what sin is. Sin that separates us from God. And that's the problem. So Jesus said we need to deal with this. He got personal with her and he addressed her wickedness. We have to be personal with ourselves and address those things in our lives that are sin. Because once we accept Christ as our Savior, once we say, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop doing my thing. I'm going to start trying to do what God wants me to do. Even when we do that, at times we still fail. At times we still fall short. When we do that, though, we need to address that in our lives. What, is Jesus, what was her response to that? Jesus called her out. Verse 19, her response was, sir. The woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Notice what she tried to do real quick. She tried to pull a fast one on them. So oh, he's talking about my husband. Let me change the subject real quick. Okay, cool. But real quick, Jesus. Now, we say we should worship here. Where do you say we should worship? She thought she could pull a fast one on Jesus, but know what Jesus did. Jesus stayed on course. Jesus, verse 21 said, Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus took the topic. She, he talked about her sin. She tried to change the topic into some type of ideological uh, conversation. Let's, let's talk about some deep things. Let's talk about some misunderstandings and misrepresentations. We worship here. What do you think we should worship? Jesus said, no, 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 no. It don't matter. The day is coming. We're not going to worship there or there. 
But what God is looking for is for true worshipers. Again, what did he do? He brought her back to reconciliation. He brought her back to, you need to come to God. You need to come to God. You need to come to God. Bible says that the woman said, I know, and we read this this morning, I know that the Messiah is coming, who was called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Look at verse 28. Then the woman left her water pot, her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left the town and they made their way to him. Look down in verse uh, 39. Now the Samaritans from the town believed in him. They ran, they went to Jesus, they heard him talk. They believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So, the, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him and they stayed, uh, uh, two, and he stayed there three day, two days. Many more believed because of what he said and they told the woman, we no longer believe of what you said since we have, I'm sorry, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. One part of that story that was, was, that, uh, that was cool to me, when verse 28, it says, and the woman left her water jar and ran to town. I, I thought about that. She left her water pot and ran into town to tell everybody, I found the Messiah. Told, now, they, the Messiah, was a term that they used to explain who God said was coming. God said that I'm going to come down to earth and I'm going to save you. And it was called the Messiah or the anointed one is what Messiah is translated to, the anointed one. So that means God is going to come down. And so when she said, we heard that God was going to come down to earth and save us. And Jesus said, oh, I am he. When she heard that, she dropped the water pot and dipped. I was gonna title a message. Have you left your water pot? <laughs> she came there with a purpose. She came there for a reason. She brought those water pots because she needed water back at home. She needed water to clean. She needed water to cook. She needed water for the animals. She came there with a purpose for a need, a big need, an important need in her life, an important need for the life of all those people during that time. But when she got there, she met God. She met the Messiah. And then when God had that intimate conversation with her, she brought up these issues. God knocked them down and said, no, you need me. 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 She got the message so much that she forgot. I didn't want to say she forgot. She refocused the reason why she was there. She could have filled up the water real quick and taken it back to town. She was going to town anyway. No, the Bible says she left the water pots. Why? Because she realized who she had come face to face with. And what she received from Jesus by believing what he said was much more important to her than that water or the reason why she came there. When she left there, she went back and she told those people, her focus was changed. I think that's the key there. Her focus was changed. She came there to get water. She heard from the Messiah. She heard from God. And she went back and said, hey, guys, listen, I found the answer to all our issues, our racism, our injustice, our, 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 our ancestral issues, our, where we worship issues. I found the answer. Even my sin issues. I found the answer. He's at the water well. And she said they all came back. 
When you meet Christ, how do you know that you've had an intimate contact with Christ? How do you know that you came face to face with Christ like this woman did in our lives today? Well, you know because you leave your water pot. Your focus changed. You're different. You had a purpose. You had a desire. You had an idea. You had, 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 had uh, ideas on certain topics and certain issues. But once you come face to face with Christ, who is the living water, and that water has to do with we can't live without water, you're going to have to drink water. You're going to have to have your body is 70% of water. And so by Jesus saying the living water, what you're saying is I am what you need. I am what you have to have to function. In order to live how I designed you to live, you have to have this. Jesus said the living water, she heard that and saw her focus change, her direction change, her conversation change. And so the question is, have you left your water pot? Have your, has your direction changed? Has your focus changed? Say, so I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to live right. That's cool, but it takes a change of direction. It takes a change of focus in order to ensure that you have had an encounter with Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He'll go on to say that as we continue to read John. But right here, he was telling the woman that I am the water that you need for life, for refreshment, for energy, for strength, for growth. Think about all the things that water does. It's been raining like crazy for the past, what, two weeks? My grass was like dirt brown. But after all this rain, you look at my backyard, it's a jungle out there. <laughs> Even the weeds are green. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. Why? Because that's what water does. Water replenishes, it refreshes, and it allows growth. So Jesus said, in your life, you are dead if you're not in me, if you're not with me, if you're not following me, if you're not obedient to me. And so come to me, Jesus said, obey, allow me to direct your life, and I will give you the living water that will allow you to grow. That's what Christ said, dude. The woman got the message. The people she went back and told in Samaria got the message. We also need to get the message. For those of us who are saved, who have given our life to Christ, who are in Christ already, the response for us is to remain in Christ. Paul says all the time, remain in me. Stay close to the source. Stay close to the water. That's why we come together. We fellowship. We come together and worship on Sunday. Why? Because we stay close to the source. Jesus said, God said, Make sure you come together and worship me together. And so we do that. Why? Because in obedience to him, God said, make sure you pick up your Bible and you read it. Why? Because these are my words. If you want to know about me, you have to read what I sent you. And so he sent us the book. And so we read the book. Why? Because we are in Christ and we need to be close to the source of living water. He said, pray to me. Why do I fall on my knees and why do I pray? Because I am communicating with God when I do that. And he's communicating back to me. And so I, in obedience, I pray. Why do we sing those songs we sang today? Well, he said, worship me. And so I sing those songs. Those songs are a part of my worship. I'm telling him how good he is. You made a way. I'm telling him this is amazing grace. This grace or this power, this strength you give me is amazing. Those are the things I do because I am in Christ and because I am alive. That was the introduction to the message. So we're going to stop right there. <laughs> what I wanted to focus on, and we'll do that next time, 
was when, when Jesus was talking to the woman and he told her, the father wants such a people to worship him. God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I wanted to take some time and look at that spirit and in truth and talk about worship and how we worship God and what it means to worship God. And so we'll do that next time. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your goodness toward us, God. We thank you that you are the living water. We thank you, God, that you are that refreshment that we need for when we are sick, when we are weary, God, when we are tired, God, when we are hurt, God, when we are suffering, God. You are that which what we need, God, to give us our energy, to give us our strength, God. We thank you for being the living water, God, to allow us to grow, to transition us from death to life, to transition us from following our way to following your way, God. We thank you for that, God. We thank you, God, how you are the answer to all our issues, be it racial injustice, uh, uh, be it some history in our past, God, be it uh, 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 where do we do those uh, misunderstandings and ideologies, God, those decisions that we have, all those things that happen in our life, God, our family issues, our own personal issues, God, you are the answer to that, God. And just like you approached the woman at the well, God, your word said you stand in front of us and allow us an opportunity to be in you, God, to uh, uh, have your living water, God, and to follow you and allow you to guide and direct our lives and give us the energy and the strength and the tenacity that our brother talked about earlier today, God, to continue on no matter what. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.